you don't want to watch any more football. You want to watch the Crown After Show, where tonight we're talking about the tug of war between the UK and the US, the sibling rivalry between Queen Elizabeth and her sister, Princess Margaret, and do the new actors look like their real life counterparts? Stay tuned. I'm Maria Menounos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Hello, everybody. Happy Sunday. Welcome to the Crown After Show on AfterBuzz TV. I'm your host, Sahai Wilson, and tonight we will be covering episode two, Margaretology. We also have a special segment called The Tweets Are Talking, some news and gossip, and maybe some predictions. But first, let me introduce you to my other host, Tehran. What's up, Tehran? Did I get demoted from co-host? Is that what happened? Uh, you know, you know, Am I just the other host? Hello, everyone. You know, we're in this host. together. We're in this together. So I'm just saying, calling you a host, right? I like being a co-host. Okay, maybe I would be your co-pilot if we were flying for BOAC. Okay, I don't know. Okay, you don't so know you're my, my co-pilot. You're my co-pilot. No. Now, Tehran is our resident has historian, but he's also a comedian and entertainer extraordinaire. I'm literally none of those things. Yes. Hello, everyone. How are you? <laughs> I have no idea. And welcome. My name is Sahar. Hi, I am a producer and host here at AfterBuzz TV and lover of all things UK and British. So tonight we'll be, we will be covering episode two, Margaretology, and, you know, The Crown aired today. Everybody, some people have already watched the whole thing. Have you watched the whole thing? No, no, no. I watch along with all of you. So we watch, we talk. We watch, That's we talk. Right. We'll be taking our time this season. Now, don't give us any spoilers in the comments, but please stay tuned because we have so much coming up. So let's get into tonight's episode. First of all, what were your overall thoughts? Overall, I thought this was once again an amazing episode. Now, in contrast to last week, the characters grew on me a lot more this week. I was hear. already a Helena Bonham Carter fan, so watching Margaret was wonderful, and especially since that trip. It's such an impactful trip in history. It was great to see a amazing, not retelling, but a recreation, recreation, and there's a huge difference. Also, watching now the new Elizabeth, yes. I understood where they decided to get uh, Olivia from, and that's a great selection. So, excellent job, wonderful storytelling, and love the entire reciprocity of what we're saying is the new uh, queen king relationship between yeah. Margaret and Tommy. We're going to get into that. We are going to get into that because this episode for me was amazing. Again, it had my mouth open from beginning to end because it was just like the whole arc just kept me interested. I always learn something new. Like Tehran here, he's, like I said, our resident historian. He looks at it from a historical aspect, but I'm looking for all the drama. I'm like, ooh, I did not know that happened. But again, we also have to understand that it is some of, some of the real life facts. It's an are, interpretation. Yeah, they're altered for the purpose of the show. So one of the first points that I want to discuss is the relationship between Margaret and Elizabeth. Because we saw some sibling rivalry there and the, the term second fiddle kept on coming up. Um, when we saw them, we saw the at the beginning of the episode, you know, Margaret has just found out, excuse me, Elizabeth has just found out that she's going to be queen. And Margaret's like, well, I'm going to talk to them and tell them we should share our duties. And that came up later on in life as well. When you saw that relationship between these two sisters, this tug of war between the two of them. How did that like make you feel, the, the, the stress and the strain between the two of them? It's the concept of the middle child, the second child. It's understandable, especially since we have this whole 
concept from uh, from an idea of where not only do we have a sibling, what is construed as a rivalry, but we get an attempt early on in childhood for that to be reconciled in a partnership. Right. And yet we, the voices that be, just destroy that notion for Margaret. And we begin and end on this bookend of a telling of who Margaret really is. And it makes Margaret a truly sympathetic character. Definitely. We see that in the beginning when they were younger, they were so close. And then as time went by, because of Elizabeth's role, it, it you know, there was a little bit of jealousy. But then funny thing... Elizabeth was jealous of Margaret as well sure. for the person that she became because of the flexibility that she had because she wasn't queen. So it's like it's it's like you be careful what you wish for because you just might get it. You know what I'm saying? Well, we do have a dichotomy in their personalities. We, of course, get a lot of nods to that. As we see with Elizabeth, who she becomes is something that she actually fought against when she in seasons one going into season two. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to see that play as well. Yeah. Elizabeth, however, is meant to be the queen. Definitely. And we get that from the act of settlement of 1701. Definitely. Do you think if Margaret had been queen, could she really handle it? Do no. No, no, not the personality that she displayed. So, something as little as marrying Tony. Right. That's just very unfairly. Her previous her affair. affair, you know, and wanting to marry a man who was divorced. Like she is like she already wanted to break the rules at all points in her life. But I think that's because she's the youngest. You know how the youngest can get away with anything and the older siblings, they have to kind of, you know, watch over the youngest in addition to watching over the family and be an example to everyone. So I think that's what we see playing out here as well. I don't know, because we also get that nod um, from Philip where he says, for every Victoria, there's the Edward VII. For every George VI, there's Edward VIII. There's always going to be a Margaret in the family who, yes, is, is, is instinctive and spontaneous and dazzling. However, what we're looking for in a queen is predictable, dependable, and reliable. Yeah. And that he would take that any day of the week. Yeah. So there's clearly going to be a situation in which, yes, in this one particular instance, her qualities made her the most qualified candidate for this particular moment. Yeah. However, in truth, overall, in diplomacy... This is not how it's played. I know. I loved when Philip called Elizabeth a dazzling cabbage because it, it really did describe her personality and the, the fact that her husband thinks of her that way. And he seems at this point in, in, in their life to be okay with that, uh, where he struggled with that in the past. Also, what I found interesting were the words that they used to describe each other or Elizabeth used to describe herself and her sister. She said that, um, you know, Remember last week she called herself an old bat, but then she says that Margaret gets to be radiant, sparkling, friendly, and charming, you know? And then also uh, Elizabeth, one of the other things that happened was Elizabeth kind of gives her sister a warning when she's about to travel to the States. Like, you guys be kind to one another, both of you. And that pissed Margaret off. Sure, because it annoys her that her sister even has to bring that up because Tony and Margaret are not on the best of terms. And she is picking up on that. Elizabeth is picking up on that. Margaret's spoken to her, her about this, and she's trying to reconcile those two in the best and easiest way possible. Do you think it was kind of like, mm, my marriage is doing really well, so no, you guys I do are, not. are doing kind of bad, so uh, 
just to take care of yourself. I think that's just Margaret projecting because she's in the second fiddle position. So everything that Elizabeth says to her does not come off as sisterly, but as chastising. Right. It's like you're you're so triggered anytime your sibling says something to you. Are you an only child? No, I am not. How many siblings do you have? There is a clan of them. Okay. <laughs> I'm an older sister, so I kind of understood uh, what it's like to kind of have the to... oldest. You're the well. oldest. So you, do you, you see what I'm saying about having to watch over everyone and everybody else can kind of be footloose and fancy free and you have to kind of be the example uh, well no because in my <laughs> family it's clearly not that way okay but i understand okay my, sometimes my siblings take great care of themselves they are they're especially my youngest she's just on it she's All just right. she's got All her right. got her things so i was i was the one who got to be me okay and they, <laughs> but that's just how it worked for me but yes i can completely understand and concur where they're saying and i am very protective over my siblings and sometimes, however, they will listen to my words over my parents. And yet, in this case, we see Elizabeth is the parent. Yeah, definitely. And a little bit of the boring one. Don't forget, we're also in the live chat tonight. Right now, we have Dorothy Banks in the chat. She said, this episode taught me about an event that I didn't know due to my age. I love how the young Margaret copied Helena's way of speaking. Interesting. So thank you so much, Dorothy. Also, so the UK and the US marriage. We saw with President Johnson that there's this tug of war again between these two superpowers. And Britain needs a bailout from the US. And basically, our boy, uh, Prime Minister Wilson, had to come to Elizabeth and say, hey, can you help me out? Sure. Early on, Harold Wilson had been. As Johnson was an advocate for the Vietnam War, Harold Wilson was definitely against it in every single way. Uh, the Vietnam War, which we know historically now, was not a sensible war. Right. We see that Wilson's judgment prevailed as an economist and was basically not useful mm -hmm. to America. And for President Johnson, the Vietnam War was going to be the war that made his bones. It was going to separate him from what he thought of as the marriage to his brand of Kennedy. Remember, he only becomes president the first time because of Kennedy's assassination. Right. And secondly, is reelected because we're in wartime, which a wartime president tends to win. Right. And he said, I am not going to lose the war. He also played second fiddle to Kennedy, which Margaret used in, in connecting with him later yes. on that we'll see. Um, but I learned that, you know, even though Britain said that they were not going to be visible in the Vietnam War, they did send some troops like behind the scenes, like a couple, not too many, not as many as, as Johnson wanted, but they did have some behind the scenes workings. Sure, but that's the whole point of the. It's not like you, the United States, needed more troops for help. How much? Right. This is the the largest superpower at that time, an industrial superpower in every single way, which we continuously are. However, at that time, it is the industrial military complex at its prime, fighting a small, what America considered uncivilized nation. Right. And was losing, getting its ass handed right. to it. And I learned that Britain also had, they were fighting in other areas too, so they kind of were already maxed out. And sure, so that's they why had they a lot of conflict going on as they were losing their grip on colonialization in the in the historical sense of the word, right. and moving towards what is globalization, which is the current form of it in right. many ways. So they're losing money, and they need the U.S. to help them. And yes. basically all their advisors are like, listen, this is a marriage. So what they come up with is Britain um, the, invites 
Johnson to... They need a billion dollars, by the way. Yeah, they need... A billion pounds. Yeah, it was... uh, A thousand million pounds, which is a billion. They were like 800 million in debt, and they needed a thousand million. Which is... Yeah. A billion. Yeah, yes. So, but the way he said it in the show. So basically, they the first invitation to kind of smooth things over is to go shooting at Bal- Balmoral Castle with the Queen. And this man says no. That's he- in Scotland, by the way. And and it's also the the Queen and King's private quarters. It's been in been since 1800s, like 1858 or right. something like that. So that's where they vacation. Right. That is their private uh their private getaway right no one has been has been offered this ever and even kennedy hadn't been offered this which and was big for president johnson right. president johnson definitely on on record as we know now from what was the previously redacted statements we see that president johnson constantly brought up how he was quote unquote living in uh Kennedy's shadow. Right. It's it's according the way the show put it is like is it it's as if he hated him. Like there was this He did not hate Jack Kennedy. He did not hate JFK. What he did have is he had a resentment right. towards the American public resentment of him for putting and them love of Kennedy. in this and love of Kennedy right. who he felt he was picking up for this is a person who's clearly he was older more qualified in his opinion he he was a career politician this and he's also a gruff person which they conveyed very well right and he knew his shortcomings cuz that's why he decided to decline the invitation to Balmoral Castle because he was like I'm going to mess up something and then they're going to make fun of me so I found that interesting that he was like okay I know my limitations here I know who I am he's very secure in himself but he also I think had had a something to prove to the people. I don't know if it was security in itself as much as it was I don't even want to deal with this. I'm I'm too American for this British bullshit. Yeah. It had to do with the fact that he's just and we see that even in today's president where it's a very similar trope where it's I don't need the rules. I don't want the rules. I don't care. I can't do it so I won't try. Right, but you have to know yourself. And some people would have been like, "Oh, let me go and try." But he's like, "No, I know my limitations and the things that I want to do. I don't want to travel on a plane for a long time sure. and I don't want to even risk getting embarrassed. Well, he comes from a blue-collared family as opposed to the white-collar of the Kennedys. The Kennedys were an affluent, very educated family, as we see, of course, with JFK and his siblings just being uh, the princes of not only that entire area, that New England area, but they become the princes of the United States. That is the closest we've ever had to royalty. Right. They are our... Camelot. Yeah, but we see a lot of nods. President Johnson turns around when he's peeing, shows off his penis. That's something that we know now he does. No, you don't see it, but that's the concept is the aide is looking away and, and he's he, uh, the, you know, the the cabinet member is looking away, and he's he's just peeing because he's a gruff man. But he also loved showing off his penis in the White House. Interesting. Yes, did he did. He that. had he That's had what gross. was a well endowed penis, and he would often be naked in front of other uh, other statesmen Rude. or get in the jacuzzi and things of that nature. It was something he <laughs> very did. Very interesting. Tehran here with and these he's fun facts. Very tall, actually. So yes. what they did was they hired actors who were smaller just to show because the actor they obviously isn't six foot six like Lyndon. Johnson right. is supposed to be, but they hired like a height difference, so it shows that he's a taller, bigger man. One of the other things that I found interesting was that remember we were talking last week about um, the prime minister and kind of figuring out the rules. One of the rules is that you can't even speak to Queen Elizabeth. You have to go through. It was the the 
ambassador to the prime minister to the queen. And I think that just shows how she's kind of untouchable at this time a little bit. And there's still this 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 line that you have to follow in order to communicate. Sure, there's with her. a lot of protocol. This right. is the queen. And the thing about watching the crown is I feel like watching the crown is, has prepared me for whenever I meet the queen. Oh yes. I wouldn't know what to do. I bow my head, I say <laughs> your majesty, and then I call her ma'am. And then I like I, I'm learning all these things. So it's great to it's great to see. You know what else is great to see? Some of our other after shows. And Tehran, I know you're on several. Tell the audience. I am, why. and I appreciate each and every one of you because you are, if not as much more so a part of this panel than all of us in studio. We enjoy your comments, your theories, your everything you have to say. And more importantly, we enjoy that you share, like, and subscribe. Thank you so much. Tell your friends, share the word, spread the love. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, give us that five stars we so greatly deserve. Each and every one of you, thank you sincerely for making us the ESPN of TV Talk. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone that commented on last week's episode, which is available now on AfterBuzz TV. Thank you, MJ Espinelli, JDTV05, the JW Channel, Elizabeth Wilkes, and PP Manley, Terrell Richardson, Marisha Smid, and Ben Bev Cummins. Thank you guys mm. so much. Continue to let us know what you thought of the episode in our comments tonight. So... Wrapping up with this this rivalry between the UK and US, the way that uh, the US decides to pitch, you know, to smooth things over is with a dinner and inviting Margaret. Yes. And did you see Elizabeth's face? She was kind of like offended that they didn't invite her. Sure, the protocol demands for the Queen, and so for Lyndon Johnson to, to first of all turn down the the invitation. Uh, the bell invitation to begin with, and now to not only not invite her, but to invite Margaret, right. the vice queen. <laughs> right, the, the, the little sister. That seemed the, to be a slap in the one. face. Yeah, it definitely was. Um, speaking of Margaret, Margaret at this time and her husband, Tony, are on tour. And this tour of the U.S., they went to San Francisco, L.A., Arizona, and they were supposed to go straight to New York, yes. but end up making a detour to D.C., which we'll discuss a little bit more. But we see this relationship during this tour of them a little bit more strained. Um, and it was interesting because it made me think about a marriage. And we discussed the marriage between the U.K. and the U.S., but the marriage between Margaret and Tony has is very interesting because he allows her to be what she wants to be and free, but at the same time, do you feel like he hates her for that? We have saw the same trope when it came to Philip and Elizabeth. It is the 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 alpha supposition of a form of toxic masculinity, a man who's afraid to handle a powerful woman or a woman who's in a better position than him. We actually see that in the modern day with the lack of marriage because of the women who are doing so well and, and not being able money. to find partners. Yeah. And, and it's a, of an equal yoke to them. But at the same time, that's what attracted him to her. Like the glitz and glam of it all is what he liked. So why sure, is it that... Because he thought it would roll off to him. However, if it's not paying off, then it's really just an annoyance. You... And it's paying off in some ways. He gets to ride around in motorcycles. He gets to travel around the world. Sure. And he gets to... He, he has a much better life. He's married to a princess. Exactly. Let's not, <laughs> exactly. Let, let, listen, honestly, I would marry Princess Margaret now. Right. You know? Exactly. <laughs> There's no... I, I don't know what he's complaining you about. You don't you don't mind being a house husband for the for the princess? I, I would love to be part of this whole. I would majesty. I would bow. I would learn everything. I would I would Meghan Markle my life. 
You know, you know it's not a it's not a bad. She's gig. from Inglewood. You know this. Yes, right? I do. Okay, yes, that's I all do. I'm saying. Yes, so you know anything can happen. Dreams can come true for you, Tehran. I, I hope they do. One of the things that I also observed is that Margaret wanted to be there for her husband. She she was happy. She was like, okay, you give me this time in all these other c- cities, and then I'll give you New York. New York, it'll be all about you. So it, I was inter- I didn't realize she was able to kind of take a step back but she really wanted to be and i think that showed that she really loved him she loves she loves tony that's very evident in her and her life and things that she have said that was the one that she she loved him uh we saw a very similar ideology when it came to elizabeth and philip we saw the same almost same Verbatim. Yeah. So back and forth. Margaret has these Margaretologists, as, uh, as her fans that's are her, called. That's her. Her Bayhive. <laughs> yes. She has these Margaret Margaretologists. Yeah, her, her trip to the United States took America by storm. They were not used to being so close in proximity to royalty. This right. was she came off, and she was the modern woman. She was the Jackie O of the UK, and that's something that was very, uh, very interesting in her dynamic with how she uh, reacted yeah. to the American people and she says that my favorite part of America uh, what am I looking forward to? Liberty. Yeah, and that was she, the big thing. She got to be free in that the was States. Huge. She, she wasn't living in the shadow of her sister. Yes. She got to be herself and then have her own fans. So it's kind of like she was queen for a day in a sense. Like She felt she, that way, She yes. got to feel what it felt like. Um, but so... Her sister is getting these updates. Queen Elizabeth is getting these updates. She's kind of low-key hating and hoping that something goes wrong. And she's hearing how well it's going. And she, therefore, is then extends the invitation and asks her, hey, can you represent us at True. the White House? And uh, initially, Margaret says, no, I'm, I'm busy. You told me to follow my husband. She and says, attention. I'm busy. Like, she, like she's listen. Like, yeah, she's like, <laughs> you told me to listen to, you know, be close to my husband. That's what I'm doing. Goodbye. And hangs up the phone. I was like, ouch. Rude. But, you know, that's how sisters yeah, that- can do. Like, we see them as a queen and a princess. But when you get down to it, these are two sisters that have their own issues, as all sisters do. So then Margaret finally, you know, when it's explained to her why it's so important, she understands, like, listen, I kind of need to do this, but decides I'm going to do it my own way. She is. And she arrives. So when she arrives at the White House, right, first of all, one thing that I noticed was when she was in that scene in the plane, as the advisor was explaining to her the importance of this trip. Yes. She has a cigarette and she shakes, she motions to him to go get her an ashtray. And I was like, oh, that's a boss move. She's like, listen, I'm listening to you, but please, peasant, give me an ashtray. It's not a boss move, actually. She is, she is rude. This is, this is how she exerts her power. She, is condescending in a way. And right. She's a brat. She's a, a brat move, I'll say. But, yeah. But Michael, uh, her, I'm sorry, not Michael, her, Tony observed it and he was like, you could see he looked disgusted with her. And why would you act like that way? Because especially Tony is a regular guy. Right. So he doesn't like this behavior and it's who are you but i think it's just a part of her continuing she needs these things to happen she needs people to bow down to her so she feels better about herself um and then so she goes to the white house and they play god save the queen but i think margaret would have wanted something else to, to walk into don't you think here it is she has to play this they have to she yes, walk into this she song definitely to her, didn't look happy right she has this song which is praising her sister i feel like she wanted some bebop and jazz from that you know any kind of hip music of it, some rock and Role, something. something that's who she is exactly but they they were trying to follow protocol right so that's the whole thing is they're following protocol they're going in and she 
takes over and Margaret comes to life. Do you think Margaret agreed to do it to save the country or to save her lifestyle? I think Margaret did it because Elizabeth wrote her and said, I'm speaking to you as your queen. This is not a request. This has become this has become a former order. Uh, at that point, there is no recusation of that order. Yeah. The queen has has decreed. You are going in as a state. So person. you think she, you her have, hand was forced. You have a duty, sure. And that's the thing, and we hear, you know, and never mind that it would mean international humiliation, political ignominy, and financial ruin. The right. concept is the queen has ordered you to do something, literally. Yes. He said the during that scene in the plane, which do you re- remember when they flew out of the U.K., they flew commercial. They did. And, and it was a big part. So... That interesting. So we're looking at the we're looking at uh, the BOAC, which is the precursor when you when you merge that in 1974, 75, you merge that with the the British, uh, the BEA, you get British Airways. Right. Which we have today. Right. right? So you get this British overseas uh, Airways Corporation. And that's that was what made them. This is a state owned operation a lot of states have their right. airlines but they cleared out the first class cabin for them on sure. their trip to the US but while they were in the US and flying within the United States they flew you know on the on the, the president's plane which i thought i was like okay she's she's coming up in the world coming up you know the the US really rolled out the red carpet for her and i think sure, that but that that's also season protocol. you know add, but it helped add to the allure of the whole thing and make it more uh pleasurable for her. So she, at this dinner, the dinner goes amazing to Elizabeth's dismay. Uh, she wins over Johnson with their... Well, mutual- she does everything wrong and it goes well. Right. So she, their mutual disdain for playing second fiddle, um, Eliz- uh, Margaret to Elizabeth and Johnson to Kennedy. Then they have a limerick concept, contest where Margaret wins with a line about her arsehole in Buckingham. Do you think she was throwing shade at her sister? I think for sure. Yeah. I think for sure she was throwing shade. She was just being wild. This is very highly inappropriate for someone of her regal stature to be displaying these inappropriate lyrics. Right. Then there was a drinking game, uh, dancing and singing. I feel like Margaret is like great at a bar. Like I, it was surprising how she's able to be so loosen up, you know, in, in these settings. But this is, this is her, her, her stage in these environments. Like she is great at a party, I think. And that's what made her possibly. She could have also went sloppy. I mean, it's not like she hasn't had sloppy endeavors in the past. So it could have went a little too far. It just happens that we're with someone who appreciates this. Lyndon Johnson was also sloppy. However, this exact Margaret would not have done so well with the John F. Kennedy. Not at all. Would not have done so well with the Ronald Reagan or. But you don't think she knows how to read her audience and knows? Okay, this is how far I can go with this. She does not know how to read her audience. She is her. We have seen her be this way at past parties. As well, she has been sloppy, yeah, and stumbling. But I think she she knew. Okay, this guy in particular, I'm gonna play it this way. I, it seemed that way because she brought up the second fiddle, which is what she was playing on. However, I don't know if the rest was a read your audience. She was just engaged in being, being herself. In the moment. Yeah, exactly. Um, I saw this connection between the two of them. They were, you know, when they were dancing, and she gave him the little smooch, and I was like, I feel like these two could have had a thing. Like, Lyndon seems like he's he could be a cheater. And then... Uh, well, we Lyndon were... Johnson was definitely a big adulterer. That's not a question. I mean, 
uh, that JFK whole cabinet was, but Lyndon Johnson definitely was an adult. But I wonder if something happened between them in real life, him and Margaret. It's just they seem so friendly and and like minded in those those drunken. Moments. I do not think so. No, simply too many prying eyes on that time, and that was the time that they met. It wasn't ongoing. It there, wasn't. She wasn't a White House aide. Right, but there is a love triangle that we will discuss in news and gossip that I can't wait to tell you guys about. So long story short, you know, Margaret is is excited about this. She's riding on high when she comes back to the UK and even the prime minister meets her at the airport and says thank you. So she's like, okay, I've done a great job. And she goes to speak to her sister in their in their childhood home and we see that shot that we saw at the beginning of uh, them. First we saw Elizabeth looking out the window in the beginning and then we saw Margaret looking out the window. She takes this deep breath and asks her sister for a favor. She's like, hey, can I did such a great job. Can we share the duties? And Elizabeth asks Actually says she she'll think about it. Did you think she'd be even willing to even take it that far, or did you think she was just immediately going to say no? It was nice to see her say that she would take it that far. However, history has shown otherwise, so I knew right. the answer and what it was. And and of course, and it makes sense. I'm sorry, it's protocol. This is you do not. You 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 do not reinvent the, the wheel. But Elizabeth was like sticking up for her sister when she was speaking to Philip, and she said, "Listen, she does deserve this. She's been, you know, she's she's qualified. She can is capable of hand, handling these situations. But Maybe Elizabeth's I should give her insecurity. a little." She and this is brought up with I don't Tony. Think it's insecurity. I Tony think it's, brings it up. Tony I, says Elizabeth knows you're a star too. You are the star, and Elizabeth knows it, and that's why. There's a thing. Right. And so Elizabeth feels that way. Sure. I know. I don't think it's an insecurity. I think it's like, you know, me and my sister fight all the time. Let me just give her this. I have so much. Let me just give her a little something to make her happy. That's what I thought it was. Maybe a bit of both. Yeah. Philip, on the other hand, was like, "Um, I'm going to put the kibosh on this right now. Sure. And he said, when I got drunk with Tommy Lassels, who we saw resurge a little bit, he said that basically this relationship, you know, you can't have these changes. And remember, that's who Margaret talked to in the beginning. She talked to Tommy, and he was so mean to her. As As a child, he shut the concept of Elizabeth and Margaret sharing duties down with the quickness. Sure. Uh, and it's also part of culture. It's part of ritual. It's part of custom. It, there's a reason why these rules exist. It's, there's a reason. There's a there's an entire system that is developed on it. Yeah. And while you can modernize, you, you can strategize. But if you try to rearrange, you may have an unintended effect, which is it will crumble. And yeah. we have seen that in other instances. We have seen that. Especially at with the eggshells, the the monarchy was on eggshells when Elizabeth took power. Right. Uh, with the abdication, this was eggshells. Yeah. The question, especially going into the seventies, this is a different world. This is no longer the seventeen hundreds. Right. And you know, there's a great Netflix. Um, explanation of, of from kind of a recap of beginning to end where they remind us that, hey, Elizabeth was not supposed to be the queen. It was supposed to be her uncle. So um, going back to wrapping up the episode, Philip, we see that he has definitely become like a, the Elizabeth referenced the three wise men earlier, but I feel like Philip is the fourth wise man. Like she really takes his opinion into heart, which is what he wanted the whole time. He wanted her to respect him and and, and give him a chance to kind of help make decisions for for their family. And he puts he says, "No, your sister can't have any any uh, involvement in in what you're doing." And the look between Elizabeth and Margaret at the end, it was it was so sad. Well, we had a discussion going in into season two where Philip basically reinforces his position in the family and Elizabeth concedes. And that 
changes the dynamic of their marriage where now they are the married couple that Elizabeth wishes they were at a younger age when they had uh, the youth to display for it. So they are. This is her partner, and she trusts his word. And he's right. He's right in being wrong. He's right in the elitist way of being right, right. where it sucks if you're not in the circle, yeah. but I understand because we're all trying to get into the circle. Right, and stay in the circle, and we don't exactly. want anybody kicking us out, and I think that's what they worry about Margaret. She's going to mess the circle up. and, and Sure, everyone hates when clubs don't let you in, but no one wants to go to a club that lets everyone in. <laughs> right, that is very true. That is very true. Well, that ends our recap of tonight's episode, but so now let's go into some news and gossip. So I found this article on Vulture that shows us who the real people are versus the actors that are playing them. And I wanted you guys to take a look and, and let me know what you thought about, you think about if they, they resemble each other. So scrolling down a little bit, we have uh, Queen Elizabeth played by Olivia Coleman. Tehran, what do you think? Is there a resemblance I there? see the resemblance. They do an excellent job on this show every single time. Uh if I could see uh, Olivia's teeth, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I mean, other than that, they do an excellent job. Down to they the do hair, down job. to the pearls. Yes. And again, the reason for the change was because, you know, time has passed and Elizabeth is an older woman now. Um, so that that was great. Okay, next, moving on to Prince Philip, played by Tobias Menzies. What do you think? I'm going to be very honest. Uh, all of you guys look the same to us, too. I don't know. <laughs> It's, it's an older white guy looking like an older white guy. I appreciate it. They look great. When you read the article, it basically references that at this stage in the show, we're watching Philip's midlife crisis sure. play out. So I love that. Moving on to Princess Margaret, played by the lovely Helena Bonham Carter. I actually don't think they look alike. Do but you? they act alike. And Helena did take up the speech patterns of of uh, Margaret. And we also know star power is better than lookalike power. Right. And Helena, she definitely has that uh, sure, this loose is a, cannon ability. A hundred. She yeah. is a Margaret in every single way. And also, uh, let's remember, this is not a recreation. This is a, or a retell. This is just, you know, they're retelling a story right. in, in their own form. And yeah. it's not, we're not using lookalikes. That's not a lookalike contest. True, true. We, we're more going for a vibe. Sure. Um, next, we have Prince Charles, played by Josh O'Connor. We haven't seen Charles yet, but I'm excited to. What do you think? These two look alike? To be very fair with that hat on, I would look like Prince Charles, so I don't, I don't know. Sure. I think they took some creative license with this and made him sure. a little bit more handsome than the real guy. Um, it says in the article that the man who still isn't king has to deal with graduating from university and enlisting in the Royal Air Force. So yes. I cannot wait till Charles comes, Charles comes on the scene. And then we have Camilla Shand, played by Emerald Fennel. Um, they definitely, these two do not look like. I think they look exactly alike. I think you that think so? um, Emerald, she obviously looks like an old hag. I don't, no, I don't know I what to tell you. Gorgeous. Of course she's gorgeous. Of course they took <laughs> liberty and license. Did you really want to watch Camilla play this? Like, let's be very honest. Uh, anyway, you anyway. know, if they were keeping it real, that's what I, you know, you just never know how close they can get. Last but not least, um, actually not last, we have Princess Anne played by Erin Doherty. I think there's definitely re resemblance here between the two women. They it's got, the eyes. It's in the eyes. Yeah, and they got the hair color right, too. And then we have uh, Harold Wilson played by Jason Watkins. Uh, Her the real Harold Wilson actually looks more handsome in this picture. He has a little bit of more hair. He's got a little yeah. more, he's got a demeanor to him. 
him. Got a, you know, a little bit of a hey, swag. If I'm Harold Wilson, I'm looking at him like, hey, you <laughs> see my hair? You didn't yeah. see the hair? I know. He's, the, Harold got a little bit of swag you there. You couldn't get Charlie Sheen? <laughs> and then last but not least, we have Anthony Armstrong Jones, played by Ben Daniels. I think they're both handsome. Yeah, Ben Daniels uh, is great and reminds me of three other actors, so I'm... <laughs> I, I didn't I, I now I'm thinking, wait, did I see Ben Daniels in this movie and it wasn't one of these guys? Right. Oh, guys, I, the thing I wanted to tell you, going back a little bit to Princess Anne's photo. So I learned through reading this that Princess Anne had an affair with Camilla's husband. Did you guys know this? It's like on record is I'm not making it up. But I thought so while Charles is in love with Camilla, Camilla falls for her husband, but then Princess Anne, Charles's sister, has an affair with Camilla's husband. These are the things. This is why I watch the show. This is why, for me, this is the highlights for me. Nothing? Nothing from you? No? Uh, it's public record. Okay. Also, have you seen... Princess Anne, have you seen Camilla? I'm just, well, no offense, I don't write the I'm rules saying. or the history. I just read them. Sorry, that's guys. What, it surprised me because Princess Didn't Anne surprised me. It, you know, she. If she, I'm Camilla's husband, huh. well, it just she seems so quiet and she's got her bun all the time and very meek. So I was yeah, like, oh, you was out starts. here, girl. That's the, the librarian. The, the, those are the ones. Yeah, those, those are the, the ones. ones. Yep. Yes. Well, that's some. Um, also, for our news and gossip, Princess, get it in. Yes. Last week, I mentioned that I went to London. Here's a little. Uh, gif of me um that was a picture of you mocking the queen that's no so nice. that's a woman who was in the audience oh. uh with a queen mask on she was like 80 something years old when she was so adorable and then i have a look at her i had her do a little boomerang right there you guys can see it when you watch the show and then um i have a little video of the procession of megan and harry waving to the people please turn down the volume because you'll hear me screaming that megan and harry are coming megan and harry are coming so you were one of those yeah i was so excited please watch there they are look at them she waved to me like right here right here wave waves to me did you see it did she you did it? she was like oh no another black person hello <laughs> Oh, I felt the bond. I, I felt she the energy. She has an accent now, so we're not going to That's all right. This. Madonna did, too. It's okay. Yeah. It happens. She'll figure it out. But, Interesting. Um, that is our news and gossip segment. But also, we're going to do something a little different tonight, and we're going to do a segment called The Tweets Are Talking. And I wanted to go through, you know, everyone's talking about this, The Crown tonight. It just aired today, and every we've been waiting how many years for it, and so everyone's super excited. So one of the first tweet by Drunk Aston says, whoever casted The Crown this season deserves an Emmy. Olivia Coleman, Tobias Menzies, Helena Bottom Carter, Derek Jacoby, Geraldine Chaplin, Ben Daniel. Jesus, sign me up for season four right now, please. Get him drunk, Austin. Thank okay, you. Okay, loved that. And um, next one is, the. this person was just like all of us. It's Melanie Hawkins who says, me pausing each episode of The Crown to fact check. That I know I do. I, I know You're more of a historian, so you kind of already know these things, which I love. Next one is Crady... Giants Bane, who says, I've only watched 15 minutes of The Crown season three, and I already know that Tobias Menzies is perfect as Prince Philip. Excellent. He's doing Excellent a great job. job. And our last tweet is from David Pointer, who says, today the entire third season of The Crown Netflix came out. Today I watched the entire third season of The Crown. Oops. Oops. I'm, put on a shirt. How about that? No, How about I, you wear a shirt? You know I chose that uh, tweet. Thank you, David Pointer. Strategically. So, Oops. Thank you, there David. goes 
my shirt, huh? Okay. That no. is actually from Tweet. So yes. that's a good, that's a double that. entendre. That. Thank you guys. We appreciate it. And I love hearing what everybody's saying about the, about the show. Um, do you have any predictions? Let's go into some predictions, possibly. Now, I know this is a historical drama, and we know what happened in real life. But again, I want to talk about what we think we're going to see with these characters. Like, we haven't seen Charles yet. We haven't seen Camilla yet. We haven't seen Princess Anne yet. So what do you think we're going to see? I think we're going to see all those people. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that. Helena, Helena Bottom Carter is doing a great job, and I think we're going to get a lot of Margaret this season. Yeah, and I hope, again, we go into this Charles and Camilla scandal and the beginnings of their relationship so that we can kind of understand how that started a little bit more from the inside out. And then Princess Anne, like, I didn't really, I don't know much about her. She's the only daughter. Um, the queen has four children, and, you know, Princess Anne is the only girl. So to hear that she was out in these streets, you know, having affairs and stuff, I'm excited to get to know her. As am I. Okay. Well, thank you guys for staying with us this episode of The Crown here on AfterBuzz TV. We'll be back again Wednesday night at 10 p.m., so don't miss us. My name is Sahai Wilson. You can find me on all social media at Say Hi Sahai. Tehran, where can they find you? At I am Tehran, all across the board, I-A-M-T-E-H-R-A-N, and of course, hosting and paneling on a slew of other AfterBuzz after shows because all of your favorite TV shows are my favorite TV shows, too. Thank you so much, guys. We'll see you Wednesday. Have a good night. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 